0: So now we're kind of rounding third in this book. On chapter 11 of Hebrews, it's one of the most extensive writings on faith in the New Testament. And it, it, it's loved by many. And even though this chapter is love, there are many misconceptions about faith. Some see faith as a meaning, uh, any form of spirituality. You may have heard people say, well, man, he's a person of faith. Well, people have faith in a lot of different things. And a lot of different gods, and and again, if it's not the true God of the Bible, a lot of false gods, right? Others understand faith as a a resolute belief that something good is going to happen to them. Maybe faith is a ticket to to health or wealth. Still, others think that faith is a blind leap against facts. None of these constitutes as biblical faith. Today, we're going to break down from Hebrews 11 into two sections, because obviously a pretty long chapter. We're going to look at it in two sections. Uh, uh, and look at uh, what true biblical faith is. I'm going to do this by giving you the biblical description of faith and then the biblical demonstrations of faith, which that part is really known when you see he starts listing all these heroes of the faith, right? We call the Hall of Faith. So let's start out by reading uh, Hebrews 11, 1 through 3, looking at the description of faith. Let's read that. Faith, and some translations say now faith. Faith is the evidence, uh, the confidence, uh, and some translations say evidence, that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through faith, the people in Dezo earned a good reputation. Or that word can be translated witness or testimony right there. But faith, by faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command that what we see now did not come from anything that can be seen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray you would stir our faith today as, Lord God, we hear. We know your word says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So, Lord, as we hear, as I preach, would you help me today as I preach your word? May I preach, like God, uh, with your anointing, with accuracy. May we all receive it and apply it to our lives. May faith be stirred in here, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, this is not a definition of faith, but a description of what faith does and how it works. True biblical faith is not blind optimism or a manufactured hope-so feeling. Faith is not, well, I hope so. I hope it happens. Neither is it an intellectual assent to a doctrine. That's also not faith. True biblical faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances and consequences. That's what what faith is. And if you remember, the whole theme he's talking about in Hebrews is being obedient to God's word, right? Remember we talked about, now you've heard God's word, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to apply it in faith, right? So for example, giving of the tithe or forgiving someone who has harmed you. Well, I don't feel like doing that. You ever notice the Bible never asks us how we feel or our opinion. He knows how we feel, he cares about, but when he gives us a command to tithe or to forgive, it's not a suggestion. And so you're like, man, that doesn't make sense. I can't make my bills this week and you want me to tithe? It doesn't make sense. That's where faith comes in. That's where faith comes in where the Bible says, God himself said, if you will bring your tithe to the storehouse, I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing where you can't contain it. Test me on this. And see if it's not true. So you look at your bank account and you see the tithe and you say, okay, our missions offering. Like, man, I feel stirred to give. I want, man, that's awesome. Abbeville, I want to sow into that community. But I don't, you know, man, I don't have a lot. Well, that's that's where faith comes in. Because you're being obedient to what the Lord is. Now let me get off of money because some of you are squirming already. What about forgiveness? Jesus commands us to Forgive. And he says, I've forgiven you more than anybody can ever do to you that you could be able to forgive them. Or you, we've done way worse, right? Our sin, we, 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 we just sang about the blood and worthy is the lamb. It was because of our sin that he had to be the lamb of God. So I get people I've done a lot to is when they say, yeah, but I can't forgive. There's no way I can forgive. They don't deserve for me to forgive them. That's disobedience. It takes faith to forgive. I didn't even plan to say that. You may want to write that down. It takes faith to forgive because it doesn't make sense here. That person has hurt us. That person has betrayed us. That person has abused us. But the Bible tells us to forgive all through Old and New Testament. So it takes faith to forgive. Amen. So again, because biblical faith is confidence in God's word, despite of the circumstances are the consequences. See, those who live by faith take confident action based on what God has revealed about his character and his will. See, we can have faith because of who God is. Faith is only as good as its object, by the way. This is what the world, oh, yeah, well, I have faith in, you know, this table right here. Well, not technically I do because my iPad will fail if, if it falls, right? But some people have faith in people and all of that kind of stuff. Faith is only as good as the object you're putting your faith in. Our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we look at who he is, his character, and then again, his will, right? What is his will for our life, right? Faith is not some feeling that we can manufacture. It's our total response to what God has revealed in his word. Three words in Hebrews 11, 1 and 3 summarize the true biblical what true biblical faith is. And again, and they're kind of interchanged, but I'm going to give you the definition. They all mean the same thing. Confidence, assurance, and reputation. The word translated confidence, remember, faith is the confidence, right, of the things hoped for. Confidence means literally to stand under, to support. So faith is to the Christian what a foundation is to a house. It gives gives confidence and assurance that this building we're standing in will stand up because of the foundation. Are you tracking with me? If you don't have confidence in a foundation, your house can fall. Jesus even talks about that, right? If we build our lives on him, we build a strong foundation. That's what it means, confidence. Now the word assurance or evidence uh, simply means conviction. This is the inward conviction that from God, that what he has promised, he will perform. That what he says he'll do in his word, he's going to do. Faith in Christ is the conviction that he will keep his word. Amen? And that's why, uh, uh, I'm going to keep on with this series. That's why some people have given wonky definitions of the word faith. Because they believe if they think it and believe it, and and they they want it, then, then God will give it to them. But your faith has to be rooted in what the Lord says. If he's promised it in his word, he shall do it. Amen? So the word translated, new living said reputation, but our witness. Your translation might say witness. All these people had a good reputation. Our witness, our testimony. It's an important word here in Hebrews 11. It occurs not only in verse 2, but twice in verse 4, once in verse 5, and once in verse 39. And this word means God's divine approval. So as we start reading about these men and women, they had God's divine approval, a good reputation, right? They had God's approval. The summary of faith, and we're going to see next week, we're going to start off with Hebrews 12.1, calls the list of men and women a great cloud of witnesses. Amen? So you see, he gives them their approval, so they are witnesses to us because God witnessed to them, so to speak. God gave them his approval in faith, and so there are a cloud of witnesses for us. In each one of these examples, we'll see in a minute, God gave his divine approval, as I just mentioned. Verse 3, the writer of Hebrews makes it clear that faith enables us to understand what God does or has done, like creation. He said, by faith, we know that the whole universe was created by God's command. It takes faith to believe in creation. That's what Hebrews chapter 11 says, right? And that's why, you know, people, uh, you know, and I love how science is actually backing up a lot of the things that they, that they said science has dispelled. And I was talking to another brother in the, uh, in the Lord just recently. We were talking about this and, and talking about different things that people say about that. But it ultimately takes faith. Because like you said, what's been created, what we see, came from nothing that we can see. Right? And that's why you when know, we talked about in another series I did, there's a difference. God created some things and he made some things. Like we were made in his image because he used the dust and all these different things to make a man. Then he used a man's rib to make a woman, but he created the universe. There was nothing there. From It was void, formless and void, and he created it with his mouth. And it says, by faith, we know that. Amen? Dr. J. Oswald Chambers put it perfectly. Faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as present and the invisible as seen. Some of you have read Oswald Chambers' work. You know, Upmost for Highs was a great read. I remember I read it years ago. Faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as the present and the invisible as the seen. One of the best ways to grow in our faith is to walk with the faithful. It's another reason why even serving alongside each other, getting involved in life groups as we're going to launch life groups pretty soon in the fall, is you increase your faith by walking with the faithful, being around others that have faith. So this chapter we get a glimpse in and we're actually kind of walking with the faithful as we read through this chapter. This chapter reminds us, uh, it's devoted to the summary of the lives and labors of great men and women of faith that are found in the New Testament. So that's a description of faith. Now the rest of the chapter, which is a chunk of what this message is going to be on, is the demonstrations of faith. So I'm going to break these down. I'm going to give it to you. Then we're going to read uh, the text for us. So number one is worshiping faith, under demonstrations of faith, worshiping faith. Hebrews 11:4. it was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel was long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. This account is found in Genesis chapter 4 and it says Abel was a righteous man because of his faith, just as it says about Abraham as well. God had revealed to Adam and his descendants the true way to worship and Abel obeyed God by faith. That's why this offering, right, is it, it was worship. Now for us, Right? Yes, we just gave a missions offering, but our offering, the Bible says in Romans, is worship. It's a, give your life as a sacrifice. Give your worship as an offering. We call it a praise offering. Amen? We give the Lord a praise offering now. And remember, going back to being obedient and the first, right? The reason Abel's offering was accepted was because he gave the best portion of the first. Cain just gave some of his, of his, of his crop. So remember, the obedience is bring your best and bring your first. Abel did that. His offering was accepted and Cain wasn't. In essence, Abel's faith cost him his life because his brother Cain turned around and killed him. So first we see worshiping faith in here. And then now the next thing we see is, is you could say walking faith or walking with God uh, in your faith. Hebrews 11, 5 and 6, it says, It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. Some of y'all are like, that sounds amazing, right? He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Serve week was awesome. You can give all the money in your pocket. You can do all you want. The scripture here says it's impossible to please God without faith. Because in faith, we trust God. We look to God. We depend on God, not on ourselves. Amen? Amen. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely, or I rather the word diligently seek him. That's the New King James New American Standard says. Those who, and sincerely is an accurate word, but I love that. Be diligent. Those who diligently seek him. This account of Enoch, if you want to jot all these down so you can go back and read these accounts, uh, Enoch is found in uh, Genesis chapter 5. I want to read one verse because this is awesome. He didn't only walk with God. Genesis 5.22 says, Enoch lived, watch this, in close fellowship with God for another 300 years. Can you imagine that? Close fellowship with God for 300 years. But I believe that his his fellowship continued to grow because of his faith. See, our faith in God grows as we fellowship with God. Let me say that again. Our, Our faith in God grows as we fellowship with God. See, some people struggle with faith, but how much are you fellowshipping with the Lord? The more you fellowship in his word, the more you fellowship in prayer and worship, the more your faith is going to increase. The more you experience who he is, you see what he's telling us to do, and then you see him working in your life, and it, it increases that faith, right? See, we must both have the desire to please God and the diligence to seek him. The desire to please him and, the, and be diligent to seek him. And this is, again, prayer, the word, worship, discipline. All these things help us walk with the Lord. Enoch walked with the Lord even in a wicked world before the flood came, and he was able to keep his life pure. One day he was taken to heaven. Some people see this as a picture of the rapture as well. Uh, Abel died a violent death, but Enoch never died. God had a different plan for each person, for each person who trusts in him, not just these two guys, but all of us. This is the first glimpse into a lesson that people can have the same great faith in two different circumstances, and we'll see that later on in this chapter. Let's continue on. Now we get into working faith. I'm just giving these titles according to to how they he 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 highlighted these great men and women. Let's keep going. Hebrews 11:7. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about things that had never happened before. That takes faith. A flood was coming. had never happened before, and by faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that came by faith. Story of Noah's found between uh, Genesis chapter six through nine, and demonstrate again that faith involves obedience, as I just mentioned, right? In the face of the unseen. It's easy to be obedient when you can see how it lays out. It takes faith to be obedient. When you step out and you can't see anything, right? If you said, Brandon, close your eyes and step off of this platform and I'm going to catch you. That would take faith, right? I think Nathan and Kelly love me, but I would still take some faith that these brothers are going to catch me, right? I believe they would. So you got to remember, since nobody had not only seen a flood, no one had ever seen a rainstorm at that time. When they gather, it hadn't even rained that way before, right? And so talk about faith, they're like, what's a flood? What's a storm? You're building a boat on sand? you got to be crazy, right? You know that, that, that there was actions generated both interest, intrigue, but also ridicule at the same time. Yet Noah's faith influenced his whole family, and they were saved. Noah's faith, it said, condemned the world. He condemned the rest of the world by bearing witness to God's reality and God's desire for holiness. See, we can walk around, and it's true, we need to preach the truth, but just your lifestyle of living holy can convict, can challenge, and even condemn someone else. You don't have to walk around beating them over the head with the Bible. I told you all this story before. I just thought about it. My wife and I were engaged. This guy, I was painting at the time. We hired this guy, and uh, we started talking to get to know each other. You've probably heard this story, and um, he says, man, so where y'all live? And I said, well, I live you know, in Scott, uh, and she lives at her grandmother's down the road from her house. And he was cursing and all that before. And when I said that, he said, you're a Christian, aren't you? I said, yeah, I sure am. He said, man, that's awesome. And that brother went from cursing in the morning to blessing his food for lunch. <laughs> I, I didn't tell him anything. I just told him me and my fiance aren't living together. Amen? So your lifestyle. Yes, we need to speak the truth. And, and but, but that day, and then, of course, I got to open up and witness and lay out the gospel. Uh, yeah, man, I just recently got saved. It was only about a year before when we were engaged, a year and a half to the day when we got married. So, but that's what Noah was doing, right? It didn't say Noah preached to condemn. No, he just kept building the ark as he told him to do. He was obedient in faith, and because of his faith, he condemned the rest of the world, right? In Matthew 24, Jesus uses this experience to warn people, again, to be ready for his return. Just like Enoch being taken as a picture of the rapture, Jesus says the same thing. In Noah's day, he uses the example that people will be involved in innocent everyday activities and they completely ignore Noah's witness and people are doing the same thing. They're ignoring our witness today as we live our life, as we preach, as we share the gospel. But that day is coming where the Lord will return. Amen? That's working faith. Now, we're going to read a good chunk of scripture because it's about the patriarchs here. We're going to to read this all together. It's waiting faith. Now, this is all of that so far. It's like some people struggle with obedience. I'm going to just say it now. It's in my notes somewhere. But... Waiting is one of the hardest things for me to do. Can I get a witness in the house of the Lord? Amen. And I think it's because of technology, man, with our technology moving so fast, everything's so convenient and so quick, the faster technology goes, the harder it's going to be for us to be patient and to wait. We live in a fast food society, a fast internet society. I mean, every, the things you could do on your phone. I mean, to send a picture to one another on a mobile device is one thing. Then they just then you could text somebody a picture. Then Apple bypasses that. You can just airdrop it. I don't know what next. You can think it and it's going to pop on somebody's phone. Like, you know, I hope not. There's some weird stuff going, you know, but I'm just saying, you know, it's harder and harder. But watch these patriarchs. Let's read it. We're going to read Hebrews 11, 8 through 22. Let's, let's jump in. It was by faith that Abraham, or is that word again? Obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God gave him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. Could you imagine that? Just like, hey guy, y'all, God told me to move. Awesome, man. Where are you going? I don't know. Which way are you going? I don't know. I'm just going. God said to go, and I'm going, isn't that crazy? Nobody would leave and say, I'm just going, like he's, well, I don't know, but he did that, right? Without knowing where he was going. Literally every step he took, God was directed him. And even when he reached the land, God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was, excuse me, like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. What city is he talking about? He's talking about heaven, right? Yes, he's talking about an eternal city. It was by faith that even Sarah, who was able to have a child though she was barren and was too old, she believed that with God that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came for this one man who is as good as dead. A nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky, the sand on the seashore, there's no way to count them. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country that they call their own. Again, that country is not here on earth. If they had longed for the country they came from, they would have gone back, but they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why... God is not ashamed to call them their God, for he has prepared a city for them. See, it goes back to that word reputation or witness. He's not ashamed to call them their God. He gave them their approval, his approval because of his faith. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promise, was ready to sacrifice his own son Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead because he thought he was good as dead. He was going to sacrifice him, but he still had faith God was going to bring him back. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future, for the future in his sons, Jacob and Esau. And it was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship. And he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. So here's an account of the what they call the patriarchs of Israel, right? And really of of the faith, right? Because we're the the obviously Jesus came through uh, uh, this line, right? Um, through the the Jewish heritage where you know uh, we have our our new covenant uh, uh, relationship with the Lord. The emphasis in this section is on the promises of God and His plans for the nation of Israel. Again, just as, as we just to recap that, right? The nation began. From the call of Abraham, God promised Abraham and Sarah a son they had to wait 25 years for, for the fulfillment of this promise. Their son Isaac became the father of Jacob and Esau, and Jacob, who, was re- who really built the nation through the birth of his 12 sons, which became the 12 tribes of Israel. God used Joseph to save the nation of Israel after they went into slavery out of Egypt, and Moses would later deliver them from Egypt. See, again, waiting for most of us is the most difficult discipline we have to do. Amen? But true faith is all about waiting for the fulfillment of God's purpose in God's timing. God's purpose, right? Our vision for you, know God, live free. Find your purpose and make a difference. We all have purposes in our life, but in God's timing, right? But while we're waiting, it's like, what should I do while I wait? Keep obeying. Hebrews eleven eight. 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed. So you can think, well, I could just obey, but no, you have to obey in faith. In faith, knowing that what God's telling you to do is going to come to pass, even if it takes 25 years. When that little, that little uh, buffering thing going, we don't want to wait 25 seconds. Why is our internet not working, man? I'm just telling you what I say, right? you laughing laughing because you do the same thing, right? We don't want to work 25 seconds. This brother waited 25 years. He obeyed when he didn't know where he was going. He lived in tents, and then uh, he was a foreigner and a pilgrimage in this world. And ultimately, church, as believers, we're also foreigners and pilgrims on this earth. This is not our home. Hebrews again, Hebrews 11, uh, sorry, 13, the final chapter we'll get to. Verse 14 says, for this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. We have to live in this world. We have to work in this world. We serve in this world. We worship. But this is not our home. We really must focus on our heavenly home more than our earthly home. Now, it's hard to do. Because we see this world all around us, that's why we have to focus in faith. Come on, you may want to write that down too. You need to forgive in faith and you need to focus in faith too. You got to focus on heavenly things. That's why the Bible tells us to do that. Abraham had his eyes on his heavenly home and lived in the future tense. So he also obeyed when he did not know how God's will would be accomplished. Both Abraham and Sarah were too old to have kids, yet they believed God and God did a miracle. Even though here it says Sarah believed, Sarah first laughed. Do you remember when God said that she would have a baby? She actually first laughed. At some point, faith must have kicked in. But she laughed at first like, yeah, right. An old lady like me, man, he's, he's old, I'm old, everybody whole around here, right? And how are we going to have a baby? But they did. It was a miracle. None of the patriarchs saw the complete fulfillment of God's purposes, but they saw by faith what God was doing. Dr. George Morrison, a great Scottish preacher, once said this the important thing is not what we live in, but what we look for. So let me let me say that again. If you if you you're always looking at your neighbor's bigger house or you're wanting a bigger place to live or something bigger to drive, it's not important what we live in or what we drive in, but what we're looking for. Are you only looking forward to that raise next year or that promotion or that bigger house or that bigger car? You 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 have you're nearsighted if that's all you're looking for. We gotta be looking for the heavenly home. Amen. These men and women of faith, again, they lived in tents, but they knew their heavenly home was awaiting them. Listen, I'm gonna say this again, I'm I'm building on this. God always fulfills his promises to his believing people, either immediately or ultimately. Finally, Abraham obeyed God by faith, and when he did not, when he did not know why God was doing what he was doing, why would He tell him to sacrifice his son Isaac? It made absolutely no sense. He promised the descendants. He said, "Go outside your tent. Look outside. Look at the stars. If you can count them, that's how many descendants you have." Right? He has this one son. God finally gives him a son. Of course, he had, uh, you know, um, uh, Ishmael on his own doing, not in faith. And, and and that didn't turn out well. But Isaac is now the promised son. Now God's telling him to sacrifice his son. That didn't make any sense. That's why Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us, lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Right? See, the test of faith become more difficult as we walk with the Lord, yet the rewards are more wonderful. You're going to have to have greater faith as you keep walking with the Lord for greater things. And Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, we have four generations of faith. Sometimes these men failed. As you read through the Old Testament, you see that. But they basically were men of faith. They were not perfect, hallelujah, because neither are we. But they were devoted to God and trusted his world. And then Joseph, man, his faith was truly remarkable. After the way his family treated him, brother sold him into slavery, tried to kill him. He was falsely accused when he actually did the right thing. All of these things, forgot about in prison. He never abandoned his faith. The Bible tells us his faith actually grew stronger. He even in an ungodly influence of a world like Egypt did not weaken his trust in God. It only grew stronger. And listen to me, church. Joseph did not use his family, his job, or his circumstances as an excuse for unbelief. So we shouldn't either. He had the worst circumstances that he could have said, man, there ain't no way God's going." You know, I keep doing the right thing and worse things keep happening. You ever feel like that? Just be honest. Like, man, I'm doing the right thing, and, and things bad keep happening. Keep believing. Keep having faith. in the Lord, his character, his will, and his word. Amen? Joseph knew what he believed, and and which was that God would one day deliver his people from Egypt, and he didn't even see it in the physical. And Joseph also knew where he belonged in Canaan and not in Egypt. We got to know who we believe and where we belong. We don't belong to this world, y'all. Amen? Next is war and faith. Let's read a... a, a Hebrews eleven twenty three 23 through 29, it was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to his great reward. You notice that's the same same theme for all of them, right? All the patriarchs, all these men of God, they're looking forward to another reward, right? A great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible, Instead of seeing all the, 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 the opposition, he kept his eyes focused on the Lord. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle the blood on the doorpost so that the death angel would not kill their firstborn son. It was by faith that the people of Israel went through the Red Sea and as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. couple of things. One, Moses was blessed to have believing parents. For for they hid their baby. He, he highlights the parents that they had faith too. But by he hitting, hiding their baby from the authorities, it was an act of faith. And this account, again, is Exodus chapter 2. Though godly parents cannot pass on faith as they do DNA, they can create an atmosphere of faith at home and be examples to their children. Our home church is the first school of faith for our children. I need a better amen than that. And I saw this firsthand when I was a youth pastor and and, and had parents that are dealing with children and and problems. And and they were basically like, I'm sending my kid to you to become godly. Why is it not working? Nobody ever said that. But that's kind of the vibe we would get sometimes. Because faith starts at home first. If you're sitting here, if you're a born-again believer, you have children and maybe even our grandchildren now, right? Faith starts at home first. We show our kids what the word said, whose God is, and we're, we're examples of faith as well, right? We show our kids what it's like to forgive and to serve and to tithe, right, and to do these different things in faith. See, three great themes are related to faith when it comes to Moses. First, the refusal of faith, verses 24 and 25. As an adopted son of Egypt, uh, Egyptian princess, Moses could have led the easy life in the palace, but his faith moved him to refuse that kind of life. So he identified with God's suffering people. See, true faith causes a believer to hold biblical values and make the right choices. No matter how hard it may be. A lot of believers are choosing the life of ease. You know why? Because it's easy. That was deep, huh? You had to really wait. That was a cliffhanger there, right? But he refused the life of ease. Instead, he chose to relate to his people who were suffering. The phrase, this is, this is very important, the phrase ple- fleeting pleasures of sin does not only refer to lust and gross sins, which it applies to that, but this phrase, actually the original Hebrew, it describes a way of life that we call being successful today. That's what it means. He refused the easy life of success, position, prestige, power, wealth, and freedom from problems instead to serve the true and living God and have faith to walk. Now, there's nothing wrong with being successful. That's not what I'm saying. But he, because he was born into the, the you know, the princess's house, he could have had the life of ease, right? But he was looking forward to his heavenly reward. And he knew he had a calling and a purpose on his life was to deliver the children of Israel from Egypt. So Moses' refusal of faith led to the suffering of faith in verse 26. Moses left the palace and never went back to his old life. Let that settle in for a minute. He left his old life and never went back. If you're listening to me today online or in here, this is one of the biggest hindrances, I believe, of the modern day church. People turn to Christ, they surrender to Christ, and they start looking back and even going back. And then they try to say, well, I don't want to go all the way back. I just want to have, you know, part of my life here and part of my life there. By faith, Moses never went back. Remember, he—he, he, possible he could have been the next pharaoh, right? He was born to 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 the uh, uh, to Pharaoh's daughter. Well, I mean, not born. I'm sorry, adopted. So he could have literally have been one of the most powerful men in the world. He refused all of that life of ease and power to fulfill his God-given purpose. He never looked back. He identified with the Jewish slaves instead. When men and women of faith all through the Old and New Testament have to, had to bear reproach and suffering. We see how much the apostles had to suffer for their faith all through the book of Acts in the New Testament. But finally, after the refusal of faith, right, and, and the suffering of faith, there's the reward of faith in verse 26 through 29. God always rewards true faith. Again, if not immediately, ultimately. Dr. Vance Hanver said this, Moses chose the imperishable, saw the invisible, and did the impossible. Why don't you, you might want to write that down. Moses chose the imperishable, saw the invisible by faith, and because of that, he did the impossible. Moses' faith caused him to face Pharaoh unafraid and to trust God, uh, to deal with his enemies. And re, again, he was rewarded by deliverance from Egypt with his people. That's Exodus chapters 11 through 13, if you want to check that out. The experience of Moses is proof that true biblical faith means obeying God in spite of circumstances and consequences. It's interesting that there's no mention, as he goes down the history of Israel, there's no mention of the failure of the 40 years of wandering in Hebrews 11. You ever thought about that? It's not mentioned. Why? Because their experience came out of unbelief, not faith. The reason they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness is because they didn't believe what God said. God says, go, I'm going to give you the promised land. They're like, no, there's giants in the land. We can't beat them. And he's like, okay, we didn't wander for 40 years then. Have it your way but it was a lack of faith, right? That's why it's not recorded. Now, the writers of Hebrews did, if you remember back early on in our series, chapters three and four, as an illustration, he used that as an illustration of doubting God's word. But here in Hebrews 11, you find only no records of failures because of unbelief. Just victory, which leads us to the next part, victorious faith. Hebrews 11, 30 and 31. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, was not destroyed with the people in her city. He refused to obey God for she had been given. She had given a friendly welcome to the spies. This account is found uh, in Joshua chapters 2 through 9. Joshua and Moses. Joshua was Moses' successor. As the leader of Israel. And he succeeded because he trusted the same God that Moses had trusted. Listen to me. God changes people in positions, but he does not change the principles of operation. Which is faith. Uh, the key principle here is faith. Leadership changes, but the way God works through people still remains the same. It's holiness, it's purity, it's faith, it's trusting God as we're walking. God blesses faith with victory. From a human point of view, it was impossible to conquer Jericho. Right? But they, he, they obeyed in faith. They walked around, marched around, shouted, walls came down. And then think about Rahab. Rahab was a pagan prostitute, the most unlikely person to believe and have true faith in the God of Israel at that time. But according to Joshua 2, she knew that Jehovah had delivered Israel from Egypt and that he had opened the Red Sea. She also knew that God had defeated the other nations during Israel's in, uh, wilderness wandering. She heard these reports. So according to James chapter 2, true faith is proven by good works. She proved her faith by her works. She hid the spies and, and, and to where they were saved, and then in turn, because she put her faith in the Lord, she was saved, right? Just like you today, you over 250 people who served this week, you put your faith in action this week. So once again, I want to honor you, and I want to thank you. Thank you for what you've done this week, and those of you that serve on a weekly basis, we appreciate it. Rahab protected these spies, she obeyed, she put the cord in the window, and apparently even her family was run to the true faith in every way she obeyed the Lord. Not only did Rahab uh, was delivered from that de- judgment, but she became a part of the nation of Israel. She married a man that gave birth to Boaz, and Boaz was an ancestor of King David, who was an ancestor uh, of Jesus. You see that in Matthew 1, 4 and 6. Imagine this, church, a pagan prostitute became part of the ancestry of our Lord Jesus Christ. And according to Hebrews 11, that's what faith can do. Amen? And let me just stop and say, because I'm thinking about this as I'm reading it. Rahab also proves it doesn't matter what you've done in your life. She was a pagan prostitute. Let me re, re, reiterate that, right? So you may think, man, I've done too much. I can't be forgiven or I can't be used by God. Not only was she delivered, she was forgiven, delivered from judgment and saved, she was used, and the ancestry of the Messiah came through her. Come on somebody. That's redemption at its greatest, at its finest, right there. And it's all because of faith. So let's wrap this whole thing up now and finish up the chapter. And this is what I've been kind of been threading in this whole chapter and I want, because this is a misconception for years uh, about faith. Uh, and, and I even early on uh, might have got caught up into this, but but as I'm studying Hebrews, it just shows very clearly the truth about faith. The same faith doesn't always have the same outcome. The same faith doesn't always have the same outcome. He continues on. He, he closes out this chapter with in, in Hebrews eleven thirty-two through 40. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to account the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouth of lions. Daniel quenched the fire. Christ the flames of fire. The three Hebrew men, right? In the fire and the flames. Escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back from the dead again. Now this is faith. Same chapter, nothing breaks. But others... Others with faith. He's still talking about faith here. Y'all following me? But others were tortured, refused to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some were, went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world. I love that. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and in holes, in the ground, all these people earned a good reputation. There it is again, good reputation, God's approval because of their faith. He he re- reiterates these same people that didn't see, didn't have all this great thing. They earned a good reputation with God because of their faith. Yet none of them received all God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us, so that they would not reach perfection, which means heaven being glorified without us. See, we have a variety of different personalities here, but faith can operate in the life of any person who listens to God's word and surrenders to his will. So let me also say that, Were well, you like, well, pastor, you got faith because you're the pastor. No, the Bible showing us here in one chapter of, of scripture, anyone could have faith. If you obey his word and you surrender to his will, there was, there was kings and warriors and prostitutes and women and men and all kinds of people that had faith, Right. Gideon was a frightened farmer who did not even grow strong in his faith right away, right? Judges 6. The story of Samson, Judges 13, right? He wasn't even a godly man. He was a Nazarite at birth, but he went off and gave into his fleshly desires. But he did trust God at the end, asked God to help him and had faith in the end. And Samson was willing to give his life to defeat his enemy. But it's not possible, again, to examine all the examples of faith. Even the writer says this, so we're not going to get into all of them. But he stopped after uh, he mentioned David and Samuel, who had great faith. There were many examples of Old Testament women and women who won victories referred to in these verses of Scripture. Again, I mentioned some David subdued, uh, you know, kingdoms, Daniel, the lions, then Rashat, Meshat, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. And the women mentioned in Hebrews 35, 11.35, it's recorded in 1 Kings 17 and 2 Kings 4. See, the transition from Hebrews 11.35 is important. Not all men and women of faith experience miraculous deliverance. Why is that? Here's my best theological answer for you. I don't know. I hope that helps. I know it doesn't, but guess what? He doesn't explain why either. But he shows us in Hebrews 11, all these great men and women that accomplished great things by faith and others got sawed in half. We don't even know their names, actually, right? But it just shows us that, you know, some were tortured, some died. The word translated others in Hebrews 36 means others of a different kind. These others of faith, God didn't deal with the same way he did Moses, Gideon, and David. I personally know and have experienced and seen God's miraculous power and healing and provision right? He's delivered people from harm, our family. They can tell you maybe next week, I don't want to steal the thunder. They had a miraculous deliverance in, in Costa Rica on a bus trip. And it really was supernatural, right? And God's hand was upon them. I know God can heal. I know God can deliver. But I also know that God does not have to heal in order to prove that I have faith. Because I've laid hands on people and prayed for people and that miracles happen. I also laid hands on many more and nothing happened. And for years, you may have been taught if God's not moving, it means you don't have faith. Hebrews 11 knocks that theory out of the park. So if you've still thought that, because what it does is it puts a burden on you and it condemns you and you feel judged. I'm less of a Christian because I must not have enough faith. Hebrews 11 shows same faith, different outcome, right? And they were all looking forward to the heavenly reward. That's why... And for a while I struggled with this, like I'm going to use my mom as an example. We prayed for a miracle for my mom. As soon as she got diagnosed with cancer, we were believing for a miracle, believing that she would get delivered, believing she'd get healed. And when she wasn't healed on this earth, my mom loved and lived her life for Jesus. And she didn't want nothing more than to be with Jesus. So I don't see it as a cop-out. I've said it a couple of times. She ultimately was delivered. She ultimately was here because you know what? She was looking forward to her heavenly reward. We built her a little house in our backyard, and she loved her little house. But I promise you, she loves the house better she's living in now. Right, Ms. Clovia? Isn't that right? Ms. Clovia was her, was her, her partner in crime, I like to say. Good crime, though. Crime for the Lord. Not really. Her traveling buddy and best friend. And so uh, Ms. Clovia is such a blessing in those days as well. Right? But it just shows me. So I want to encourage you. Hebrews 11 shows us that. The facts are, just remember that many unknown men and women of faith were not delivered from difficult circumstances, yet they honored God. Didn't it say that? They received a good reputation from God. They received God's stamp of approval. That tells you they didn't have a lack of faith. But for some reasons, unknown to us, that's why I say, I don't know, God chooses to heal one and deliver another. Well, some people say, well, Brandon, doesn't that discourage you? Absolutely not. I'm going to believe and pray according to God's will and word every time if somebody's in agreement to wants to be healed, wants to be delivered. But I also know that if it doesn't happen, it doesn't mean I have a lack of faith or by the way, God's any less good. I know a man, a pastor that's been on dialysis since he was 16 years old and he's my age now. He's in his, his mid forties and he's prayed for many people that have physical healing and he's never been healed. He still takes dialysis over hundred surgeries. And they asked him that question, man, isn't that discouraging? He said, no, it just gives me even greater desire to see miracles in people's life. And that's what we have to understand. It doesn't mean that he, obviously he has faith, but why is his body not healed? He doesn't know, but I love it. He really doesn't care because he knows he's serving God and doing God's purpose according to God's will. Let me say this and I'm going to wrap it up in closing right here. In fact, it takes more faith to endure than to escape. You may want to write that down. It takes more faith to endure through things like that than to escape from it. Now, again, God does miracles. I believe. I see them. I love them. It's awesome. But it takes more faith. And that's another thing about my mom. I honor my mom again. My mom praised the Lord till the day she died, till the day she till she couldn't speak anymore. She still talked about, and Miss Covey and my kids, my wife can tell you, about God's faithfulness. She never once doubted God's goodness or who he was because she was going through suffering. She still praised the Lord. She had great faith. Amen. If God is glorified by delivering people, he'll do it. If he sees fit to be glorified by not delivering people, he'll do it. You know why? Because he's God. I don't have to figure it all out to believe and to have faith. And I hope Hebrews 11 encouraged. It encouraged me this week as I was reading. It all came together. And and we've had that debate for years uh, in churches about that. Well, you, you just don't have enough faith, brother. Well, Again, point to Hebrews 11. You need to have faith. It needs to be biblical faith. But just because something hadn't happened for you doesn't mean you have a lack of faith. Hebrews 11 proves this. We must never conclude that the absence of healing or anything else means a lack of faith. Faith is possible to all believers in all situations. It's not just a luxury for a few elite saints. It's a necessity for all God's people. Amen? Come on, let's continue to look forward to our heavenly reward in our heavenly home. Would you bow your eyes bow, bow your eyes and your head? You can bow both of You got to bow your eyelids to close them. So that'll work. Amen. You know what I meant. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> hey, so this whole time, especially the people, he says at the end of Hebrews 11, that didn't see the deliverance, didn't see the healing. Again, they kind of like, I feel bad for them. We don't even mention their name. They were jailed and stoned and killed, sawed in half. Man, that's, you came in, you know, all this stuff. But God was still pleased. It said he he, had a good reputation, God's approval, because of their faith. They were looking forward to a heavenly home. What about you? Are you looking forward to that heavenly home? When you breathe your last on this earth, are you going to spend eternity in an eternal heavenly city, heavenly home, heavenly mansion? As Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He's going to prepare a place for us, but are you prepared to to go there? If you've not repented of your sins and come to the Lord, then you're not but you can do that today. If you say, Brandon, I'm not sure where I would spend eternity. I need to get right with the Lord today. I, I've been lacking in my faith. I've never put my faith, my true faith and trust in Christ, and I want to do that today. If that's you, just slip up your hand quickly. Just quickly say, that's me, that's me. Ma'am, I see your hand. Sir, over here, praise God. If you're watching online, you do the same as well. Amen, over here, more hands going up. Come on, let's pray together. The Bible says if we believe in faith, we're saved by grace through faith. Put your faith in the gracious Uh, uh, Lord Jesus Christ the Lamb of God who died on the cross for you and I can we pray this together all you to raise your hands and as a family Lord Jesus thank you for dying for me I know that you love me Lord and I know you want to be with me for all eternity Lord I know that I've sinned I repent of my sin I turn to you today and I surrender my life I put my faith and my trust in you Lord Jesus and the finished work of the cross Thank you for helping me to live a life that glorifies you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Everybody said, "Amen and amen." Come on, let's give them. Let's rejoice with them and give God the glory. Come on, why don't you stand up with me? Let me pray over you. If you if you prayed this prayer for the first time, there's a connection card in the chair in front of you. If you watch it online, come on, uh, you can fill out a connection card as well by clicking the link there. Come on, can we pray together? Come on, how many of you say, man, I want to be stirred up. I want to have true biblical faith. I hope maybe some condemnation was broken off of some people. How many of you would say, Brandon, I'm still believing God for something in faith? Let me see your hand. Come on, let's pray for that. Let's pray that we'd be stirred by faith. And don't ever let somebody lie to you and say, if it ain't happened yet, it's because you don't have enough faith. Hebrews 11, again, just nailed that home. Same faith, different outcomes. But let's keep believing, amen? According to God's word and his will. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters with their hands raised today that are believing in faith, your promises of your word, the truth of your word. Lord, we want to we live a life of faith according to your word, not according to feelings and hope so and manufactured uh, things that, that are not true, but according to Hebrews 11 and all other principles of faith taught in your word. Lord, we surrender today, Lord God, to the truth of your word, Lord God, to live in relationship with you according to your character and, and Lord, God, according to your will. Lord, I pray, like God, even though it may be, like God, and not the timing, Lord, help us to be patient as we're waiting, worshiping, war. Lord God, all these things that we saw today, Lord God, may our brothers and sisters in Hebrews 11 encourage us, Lord God, to continue in faith. Remember, sometimes it it does take more to endure in faith than it does to escape. But help us to continue to endure through all the the trials, the tribulations, but also rejoice in the victories. Like the many victories we saw this week for Serve Week, may we go and be stirred up with greater faith. I believe for breakthrough and join my faith with theirs today and whatever it is they're believing for. Bless them as they go today, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on, God bless you. We love you. If you need specific prayer for anything, we'll be up here to pray with you. Come on down here. We love you guys. Have a great week.